Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father, none of us are priests. My name is James Drew. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbert Herbot. What up, what up? And Trey, Stinky Fingers, Jose. Yellow. I had to gulp my beer down <laughs> faster than anticipated. Gulp a little of that Brick West IPA local brewery. Westbound Train. Sponsor us. Even though I'm pretty sure the guy who actually owns that brewery is not from around here, but anyways, um, that's what happens when you live in a such a cool area in the Pacific Northwest where breweries are, are yeah, abundant. It's, <laughs> it's a good word. Um, anyways, we are the Fantasy Football Fathers. This is our podcast. If you're new to the show, is it in fact a fairly new show? Uh, we just started recording the podcast this year is that a fact that is a fact and uh but we're not new to fantasy football we've been playing for a very very long time all of us um so a lot of experience um a lot of opinions a lot of the times not the same opinions so uh anyways you'll get a different uh diverse set of opinions most of the time on this show, which is kind of nice. The diversity is brought to you by me, the only non-white person <laughs> on the podcast. The guy with the name Trey Jose. Yeah. The only dad also. Couldn't guess. So the only diversity, the only dad, and you're welcome. What a coincidence. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, we, hey, we fit the Rooney rule, man. We're good. <laughs> so uh, today we're doing, and if you haven't already, check us out on Twitter, at the FF Fathers. Uh, if you're on the Twitter, cool. If not, I don't blame you. Um, but we are doing coaching changes tonight. Uh, we will. It is March fifteenth, twenty twenty two. Which, if you guys don't remember, two years ago on this exact day, Big Herbie was bringing up flashbacks, or was that Trey? That's me. I was bringing it up, but I don't think you should bring up these flashbacks when when the world shut down. Post-traumatic Corona syndrome. I got uh, it. Anyways, here we are. New new year, new couple years, and uh, we're out, dude. We lived, survived. We're thriving. We're recording a podcast. We flattened the fucking curve, curve. dude. That's what we did. Boom. And now we get to talk about coaching changes in the NFL and how that might affect fantasy. So... That's what we're doing. <laughs> so tonight, that's the episode. Uh, we're going over coaching changes. I know the hot kind of topic right now is free agency as that's kind of firing up, uh, which we will get into. We're going to let the free agency play out probably a good another week, record something on that next week, and cover all those free agency acquisitions. Uh, but for now... Let's get through some coaching changes in the NFL, which there were a good amount of coaching changes. Eight in total. Eight in total, which is a good amount, a lot. A lot of new head coaches, a lot of coordinators moving, a lot of first-time coordinators on some teams, which is interesting. Some guys getting their first shot at really you know, running an offense or a defense. Um, that could be impactful for fantasy. Because, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get, <laughs> which is kind of scary. Uh, but 
You mean it's kind of like a box of chocolates? It's kind of like a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to So, anyways, let's get into these. We're going to run through every single coaching change. Um, and, yeah, give it a little opinion on it. If you guys feel different or indifferent about something we talk about here, hit us up on the Twitter. Let us know. We like feedback, positive and negative, because that is how we grow as human beings. We thrive on the negativity. We love it, <laughs> and we love feedback in general, right? I'll let you in a little tidbit. If you're negative on our Twitter, it will be inside of my brain for at least three days. So if you want to live pretty in my emotional. brain. He's pretty emotional. He's going to ride I, the I get, waves. I get too attached. So, yeah, if you're going to be an asshole on Twitter uh, and you want to bother me, then <laughs> do it. Ruin his neck. Ruin the month for him. Uh, that's okay. The rest of us will be okay. We'll get over it. And, um, you know, only like two other people will see it. So not a big deal. My bad for trying to help you win a fucking fantasy. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, let's get into these coaching changes. Starting with, um, Chicago, man, the bears. Staying at the bottom, hiring Matt Eberflus. Fluss or Flus? Flus. Flus. As their head coach, he was the Colts defensive coordinator, which he did a pretty good job. 2018 through 2021, linebackers coach for the Browns, twenty nine or 2009. Browns and Cowboys from 2009 to 2018. So defensive-minded coach um, going to the Chicago Bears, to try to build up a young, basically rookie quarterback. Played a little bit last year, but not a ton. Uh, he brought on Luke Getzky as the offensive coordinator. He is a first-time offensive coordinator. He was with the Packers since 2014. Uh, he was a quality control coach, to the, and then he was promoted eventually to the wide receiver and quarterback coach. And finally was the passing game quarterback or coordinator last season. <laughs> I know you're a Packers fan. Do you know who that I is? I don't know who this guy is. I know that, you know, from a quick little search on the internet, uh, he's a former player. But um, honestly, I'm I, not even just a Packers fan. I'm, a, I'm actually part owner. <laughs> Um, I have the receipts over oh, there. Which makes sense why you wall. don't know the people on your staff. <laughs> well, Horrible front office. Sometimes they forget to call me when they make some decisions on who they're hiring and bringing up through the organization and promoting. Sometimes, you know, Mike and uh, Mike and the boys just forget to give me a call first. That's okay. Uh, life goes on. Um, but, yeah, Luke Getsky, you know, I don't know who he is. <laughs> so glad we've established this um yeah honestly this is one of the more interesting oc choices um all the other or most of the other hires this year were all offensive minded coaches as it was so their oc is mostly someone just to tag along while they still head coach calls the plays this one you know, he's a defensive minded head coach and yeah he's bringing on a pretty much unknown um guy who's only been you know coaching the NFL for the last seven or eight years and has never come close to calling plays. So this is gonna be a very interesting way, you know, what happens there. And if you look, I was thinking maybe they brought in like another passing him coordinator, like a bigger name. I looked and there's no there's nobody. Yeah. Um honestly this entire coaching staff is like brand new. They're like new new. 
Um, don't know a single one of them. So this team is in major flux, and I don't know what to think about what's going to be for when it comes to this offense next year. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, um, <laughs> like who do you want on this offense? You know, we'll see where Allen Robinson ends up. Right, um, Darnell Mooney's still there. Obviously, Justin Fields. But like, do you trust them to have any sort of production with a, a whole new coaching staff? Obviously David Montgomery rebuilding. It's, David, David Montgomery is the only bankable person, uh, fantasy player on this team at the moment. You know, things could change with the free agency, but right now it's David Montgomery and no one else. Well, and obviously Fields has the upside, right, with the rushing game. We saw some. We saw him make some plays, but. Yeah, at this point, I mean, for redraft purposes, uh, yikes. This could take some time to take the training wheels off this offense. I, I kind of like that. It's all um, it's kind of an unknown as far as like how they're going to proceed offensively because um, it leaves me feeling the same about their offense as it did a month ago because it was an unknown, you know, with Justin Fields finally starting. And I feel like a name we should bring up because it's very possible that this person is productive as Cole Komet at tight end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really interested to see if they even try to make him more involved in the offense. Because that's someone who could take the, the next step. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, I think the best thing that this team did is just get Nagy out of the building. <laughs> like, It's only up from here, right? I mean, they're going to struggle next year, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't blame them for trying to get a piece of that Packers offensive scheme. Maybe, you know, you can share some some insight um, from the team that is and the quarterback that has theoretically owned them for the last <laughs> however many years. But, um, you know, it's only up from here. So we'll see how it, ha- how it all plays out. But for me, I'm kind of avoiding <laughs> – avoiding this offense as it stands right now. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. So really, like David Montgomery is the only person we're still confident on. I mean... I like Mooney as a player. I just, I'm not confident in the offense as a whole. To be able to move the ball, move the chains, and give opportunity to a player like Mooney. Well, even with the unknown, Mooney's top 30, right? Uh, yeah. Um... I'm not that certain on that. I mean, even though Allen Robinson had a poor year, he he was still on the field, and everyone knew what he had done in the past, so you had to, you know, play him a little bit. Now Mooney is the, you know, unquestioned number one receiver at the moment, and that's kind of scary. He's like five foot nine, 165 pounds. Like, how He gets can- separation, but, yeah. yeah, we haven't seen him be the bona fide number one guy. Yeah, or if he can even come yet. close to being that guy, so... Right. That's that's a little scary. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, bring Allen Robinson back or pick up somebody out of free agency, it's like, who are you going to bring in that, you know, really scares defenses? So, yeah, I have my question marks. I think Cole Komet honestly could be the biggest kind of sleeper out of this offense. But uh, so I like that point. But we've we'll said it a million times, man. Young quarterbacks and their tight ends. Yeah. And yeah. as you said earlier, he's basically a rookie still because of the limited amount of time he's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously we still like Justin Fields as a prospect. I think there's great potential there. Saw him make some plays in the running game that were pretty impressive. Um, and if you can do that in fantasy football, 
you have value. Uh, moving on, though, to the Denver Broncos, the team that has been making some serious changes, uh, kind of going all out, you know, and running for a Super Bowl, which makes sense because the owners are actually trying to sell the team um, eventually. Uh, they are in the market to sell. So for them, the long-term repercussions of all these moves that they're making now doesn't really matter as long as they have a shot to go win a Super Bowl. But the AFC West is getting hot and competitive quickly. Uh, but the Denver Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett uh, from the Green Bay Packers uh, to be their head coach. Uh, he's a Packers offensive coordinator from 2019 to 2021. Uh, one of Rogers' guys. He really liked Nathaniel Hackett. Um, and that's paid some kudos for Hackett as now he's got a head coach job. Um, he was the Jaguars offensive coordinator from 2016 to 2018. He was the Jaguars quarterback coach 2015 to 2016. Bills offensive coordinator from 2013 to 2014. Um, I just gotta say this real quick. Looking at his career, imagine going from Blake Bortles to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, like wow, I can I do, like... <laughs> I can do something. He actually liked Bortles though. That's why they kept bringing him in when they needed some depth at the position. And you have to admit, like the one year that Jacksonville was good, made the championship game. Blake Bortles had his best year under Hackett. 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 Yeah. So I mean, it, it says something that he can like turn even a bad quarterback into like a serviceable quarterback. Yeah. And now he's got Russell Wilson to work with. Can he hack it? That's the big joke. That's. I mean, okay. Everyone said last year that like the Broncos roster was a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Now they have a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl, been to another, has been, you know, a top five quarterback in the league for, you know, five or six years at this point. Under, an offense uh, play caller like Hackett who likes to throw the ball around, which is what Russ has been, you know, pre- like begging for in Seattle for the last three or four years. They're going to do big things. And not to mention they are going all in. They also made, you know, huge defensive acquisition today in Randy Gregory. So yep. they're going all in. I mean, the only offensive, you know, weapon they lost was Noah Fant, but they got Tony O coming in behind him that they really like. So um, this offense is going to be, it's going to be scary. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm I'm really excited for the Broncos' fantasy potential on the offensive side of the ball with Hackett. Um, he's been in a winning, you know, program now for the last three years. He's got to operate with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and now he gets another one in Russell Wilson. He's got weapons all around. Um, good team all around. He's he's. He's out there to win a ship, dude, and, um, you know, I'm excited for him. little question mark, though, at the offensive coordinator uh, spot, Justin Ooten, I believe is how that is pronounced. Uh, doesn't have a ton of NFL coaching experience. Shout out Moose, my dog, shaking his head there with the ears. He was an intern offensive assistant for the Falcons in twenty from 2016 to 2018. And was the Packers tight end coach from 2019 to 2021. But I think Hackett's going to have most control, I think, over the offense. Coming from an offense coordinator position with the Packers, I think he's, for the most part, going to be overseeing the play calling and offensive schemes. 
Yeah, that's pretty much what I was getting at. Like this Justin Uden guy, it almost looks like he's just still he's bringing a friend, an up. assistant role. Yeah, it's definitely kind of one of those buddy hires, right? And a uh, good re- resume builder, especially if they're effective for uh, good old Justin Newton. I wanted to ask you guys this since we're talking about the Broncos and their, um, I guess, increased offensive firepower from their coach from the Packers here, Hackett. You think Jerry Judy top 12 next year? You want to go for that, Tyler? Actually, First. the funny thing, I think we brought this up a little bit last week, too. Um, I don't know. You have three really good receivers here. You have Judy, Sutton, and Patrick. It's getting a little crowded. Um, and then you know, throw in Tony O, who you know they had, they hope to have big things happen. Javante Williams out of the backfield can catch the ball. Um, so there's a lot of mouths to feed. I don't know for sure who is going to be the one who opens, like who breaks out with Russell Wilson. Um, you, I can see it being Judy because he's such a good route runner. Which you know, if you were going to make a comparison in terms of you know uh, a pairing, would be Russ and Tyler Lockett because he's the better route runner. But then Cortland Sutton's more of this physical specimen, which you had in DK. And, like, they both did well. So who knows? I, it's hard to say who's going to be the guy there. And Tim Patrick's a tall, lengthy receiver. Russell yeah. Wilson loves throwing the deep ball, and he does it well. Yeah. I mean, that's like... – it, It's tough. It's just – it's really hard. Um, I think this is going to be something easier to figure out going through training camp and kind of listening to what happens, you know, during the practices. That way, um, hopefully you're like us where, you know, our draft is like the last weekend before kickoff, basically. So um, if you draft early, good luck. I think it's a, it's an absolute dice roll. I think, you know, I think we can. it's safe to say right now Jerry Judy will be the first receiver off the board in that offense. And then you'll probably have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler will somewhere be around the same probably. I think for values, for like right now, obviously it's a long ways away, but from a value perspective, like Cortland Sutton's kind of looking like the best value to me. But that's up in the air. How early does he go? How high does his ADP rise? Those are all questions that need to be answered. But um, I'm I'm a little bit worried about overpaying for Jerry Judy in this because the hype is already getting well hyped well that's that's why that's why i brought it up because yeah um he's gonna obviously be the highest person off the board and i i agree with you sutton's probably gonna be the best value on this broncos team at least right now right you know talking imaginary adps this early in the offseason but jerry judy in my mind is extremely boomer bust right now you can get him at a decent price in a draft and he might just go bonkers right yeah uh, moving on to the Houston Texans, a lot of movement down there in Houston. They they've hired <laughs> Lovey Smith as their head coach. Uh, he was the Texans' associate head coach and defensive coordinator in 2021. He was the University of Illinois head coach from 2016 to 2020. Shout out the Fighting Illini, go Illini. Uh, Buccaneers head coach in 14 and 15, uh, Bears head coach in 2000, from 2004 to 2012, Rams DC in 2001 through 2003, and the Buccaneers linebacker coach from 96 to 2000. 
obviously we all know who Lovey Smith is, long time NFL head or coach, been in the system for a long time. Uh, he brought on Pep Hamilton as his offensive coordinator. Pep has bounced around the NFL and major college programs since twenty or two thousand three, most notably being an OC for Stanford in two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve, and the offensive coordinator for the Colts two thousand thirteen through fifteen. Uh, he's also been an assistant head coach for the Browns in twenty sixteen and the Michigan Wolverines twenty seventeen through twenty eighteen, uh, and was the QB coach and passing game coordinator for the Texans last season. So they hire from within. And then... <laughs> a lot of bouncing around for old Pep there. Um, One thing that kind of worries me when I see someone going from the NFL to college to back to the NFL to back to college, like, that's kind of a red flag for me. Um, But obviously, he's been in systems for a long time, knows football. But let's be honest, like, how much faith do we have in Levy Smith and this Houston Texans offense immediately for 2022? Uh, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, that's not, like, anything against Levy Smith or Pep Hamilton, for that matter. It's, right. The team is just talent, you know, deficient um, against, you know, most other teams in the NFL. Uh, Levy is probably... You know, he's the longest tenure, has the most history of all the head coaches hired. And Pep Hamilton is, has also a long history as an OC. It wasn't that long ago that he was considered as a uh, potential head coaching candidate for a lot of different teams, um, similar to what we've seen with uh, Eric Bieniemy in the Chiefs, where he had multiple head coaching interviews and just never panned out for him. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, maturity here between these two guys and, you know, leadership qualities. So I think. They're two really good guys to help build this, you know, organization back up. Comes to fantasy in the immediate, it's, you know, it, there's no one to really bank on. Right. Davis Mills was surprisingly decent last year. Like, for a rookie quarterback thrown into a terrible, terrible situation, you know, the same can be said for Trevor Lawrence. And arguably, Davis Mills played better than Trevor Lawrence. You know, both in similar situations. Uh, which were terrible for a rookie quarterback. Uh, and at least Davis Mills produced on some level. And so it'll be interesting to see, like, how his career plays out and what he becomes, you know. But as far as the immediate future, yeah, not a whole lot of faith for me from a fantasy perspective on the Houston Texans. I'll just say this about Lovey Smith. I grew up in a Bears household. And I saw his years between like 2004 and 2008 specifically. And Lovey Smith ruined a lot of Sundays in my house. <laughs> so um, with that being said, Houston Texans repeat what they did last year. They stay remotely competitive and don't win very many games. That's how I feel right now. Just with like this, this offensive coordinator and Lovey Smith. We know what Lovey Smith is about. I hope the Texans do good just because you root for the underdog. But, I mean, they're losing Brandon Cooks this year, who was a huge part of their offense. I think he's, like, the reason they stayed afloat offensively. Yeah, he is. So, if they can figure that out. Like, I know Brandon Cooks is becoming a free agent, right? Is that Because there was a lot of rumors in the offseason, before the offseason kicked off, that the Raiders would be trying to be picking up Brandon Cooks. And 
I know. Are we vetting that? Vet it. Vet it, dude. No uh, veteran. Big Herbie's vetting it. While Tyler, Big Herbie, Urbach is vetting this, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, yeah, he's not a free agent. He's still signed with the, with the Texans. Uh, shitty for Brandon Cooks, but. <laughs> ah, but for $12.5 million, not a bad amount to bring on a year cap for teams that are trading. So, um, yeah, I, I guess target. his name was being floated around for offseason moves just because of his cap number and how productive he was last year. He really he deserves more money than that for sure. Yeah, he de- he definitely does. If uh, Christian Kirk's getting 20, what? One, two million? 21, yeah. God, Lee, speaking of um, the stupid Jacksonville Jaguar, or the Jacksonville inflators, should I say, inflating the market, um, just throwing money at, I mean, let's be honest. Christian Kirk has been in the league for now, what, three years, four years? Do we see a top three receiver in Christian Kirk? Because I don't. Well, top three is very, very – I feel like that's uh, what he's too paid. small. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is right now, but we'll see once the offseason ends if he's really in the top three for top paid receivers. As a Packers owner, <laughs> it just kind of – you know, grinds my gears uh, with our whole Devontae Adams situation. But getting back to fantasy, I do like to hire a head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they picked up Doug, the good old boy Doug Peterson. He's uh was the, obviously the Eagles head coach 2016 and 2020. Chiefs offensive coordinator 2013 to 2015. Eagles QB coach 2011 to 2012. Um. We all know who Doug Peterson is. Um, did lead a team that was not expected to get to the Super Bowl to the Super Bowl. Um, even without Carson Wentz at the helm, he did it with um, Nick Foles. <laughs> I already forgot his name. Wow, big, <laughs> big dick Nick. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's uh, you know, dinner hey. time. Hey, that that one run he had got him a fucking statue yeah. in front of the stadium. Are you so, kidding me? Yeah, job well done. But, I mean, hey, you know, props to Doug Peterson as well, and I like this hire for Trevor Lawrence as well, who, you know, obviously didn't have a, a great rookie season. I know a lot of the, you know, the talk out there is, can this kid really get it done? Is the hype, was the hype too much? Um, we'll see. You know, I think... He didn't have a ton to work with. He didn't have a motivated head coach, apparently. That is an understatement. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think I, – I, we talk about this a lot. Urban Meyer could not have done a worse job. Like – He did a terrible job. Like, even, like, when people consider, like, you know, best case, worst case scenario, it was not what Urban Meyer did. He, like – like, I feel like he had to try to be that bad at coaching this team. Right. Like, he had to go out of his way to make sure that they were this fucking bad. Yeah. You know what Urban Meyer was doing? I thought of this kind of comparison. Urban Meyer was working like a minimum wage worker that would rather be on unemployment. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, yeah. you know, like, fire me, please. That's what I want you guys to do. Yeah. Like, and then I get unemployment. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, either way, you know, I think there's more to be seen from Trevor Lawrence. Um the Jacksonville Jaguars also hired Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator. 
Don't know who Press Taylor is. He's spent seven seasons in the Eagles organization, five with Doug Peterson. As we know, a lot of these guys like to bring on guys that they're familiar with, uh, have a history with. Um, he was in various offensive roles, including quarterback coach and passing game coordinator from 2016 to 2020, be- before becoming the senior offensive assistant for the Colts last season. So, bit of a question mark as an OC, for sure. Um, but, you know, I I have some faith in Doug Peterson, even though they've been the, – the front office has been making some questionable – I mean, they're just throwing money at wherever it sticks, basically, is <laughs> what I'm getting from it. Well, I mean, I, I said this before we started recording. Um, I think you might have been out of the room. Actually, I told Trey that it makes sense, though. The The Jaguars are not offering anything that free agents want to come and play for. So the only way to entice them to get there is to give them more money than any other team is going to. That's true. You have to put you know decent product on the field before anyone wants to come play. So you got to right. do what you got to do in the meantime. Because um, they're not coming there to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, not right now. <laughs> so you're coming there for the money. Yeah. Now, um, like you said with Doug Peterson, and I you know asked this question before when he won the Super Bowl, could you remember who any of his receivers were? Uh, you guys did come up with Nelson Aguilar, uh, which is great, but we also forget that they had uh, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Oh yeah, yeah. how could we? For your grab and then and then late late career Tory Smith, uh, but neither ah, yeah, none of them yeah, yeah. surpassed 800 yards. Actually, the leading receiver on the team that year was Zach Ertz. Yeah. Um. So he's done a lot with a little before. So I mean, Christian Kirk might not be your traditional number one receiver, but I think he'll make out just fine. The biggest what about Zay thing, Jones. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No. No disrespect to Zay. <laughs> um. Not even your traditional number two receiver, probably. But you know. You have basically they signed two slot guys to a lot of money. Uh, yeah. We'll see how that works out. But the biggest thing for Jacksonville, they have gonna have a very good backfield. You got James Robinson coming back, and you right. got tra- Travis Etienne coming off of the IR, who missed his entire rookie year because of, I think it was a foot injury. Um, those two guys together will make some noise in the backfield. No so doubt about this it. offense will be much better this year than it was last year. Yeah, those are the guys that I you know the backfield is what I feel safe with. In this offense, they have to. They're gonna have to lean on, on their backs. I mean, I, I totally agree. The backfield is definitely like the most solid part. As far as Zay Jones goes, I don't want anyone to fall for that and see him. <laughs> this is coming from a Raiders. Yeah, I'm truther. A, yeah, I'm a Raiders fan. I've seen Zay Jones for a couple of years now, and j- just the honest truth is that he's gonna end up being their wide receiver one on the depth chart because of his size and build and the way that he plays but it's not going to be any production on the field. He's just going to be a decoy constantly, so do not draft Zay Jones. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's just not going to happen. Zay Jones is not that guy. He's had At flashes of being great, yeah. but he's not going to be it. He's a great decoy because he looks like he can be that guy. Yeah. But he never is. At least don't overpay, right? I mean, there could be. There is. It's possible. Potential. Derek right? Carr is definitely. There's potential there. Taking advantage of some mismatches with him. The But. You know, don't 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 go too crazy on Zay. You also don't forget they do still have Marvin Jones Jr., who thirty two. Yeah, but he's more your traditional number one, right? And he's shown he can do it in the past with the Lions. It's not like they had a great offense. He had Matthew Stafford, you know, which is saying a lot. But I think in a better offense with a coach that knows what he's doing, you know, I think you could see some production. I actually would probably lean out of those three guys still being Marvin Jones being the leading receiver actually. 
They also hired uh, Mick Lombardi, not a bad name, uh, as offensive coordinator. He's coached in the NFL since 2013. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You skipped down. Oh, whoa, that's the wrong team. No, they did not. <laughs> We already, we already covered their OC, Press Taylor. Oh, well, we'll, we'll talk about this great team in a second. But before we move on past the Jaguars, Doug Peterson's calling the plays, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he's running the offense. Press Taylor's getting a promotion into an OC role resume builder, right? I mean, he's going to be involved, obviously, but Doug Peterson's running the show. It's the same thing with most of these hires. Um, yeah. You're going to see it you know, as we go through them. Same thing with Nathan Hackett. Um, same thing you'll see with the Raiders, with the Dolphins, um, with the Vikings. They're all doing the same thing. These guys, like you said, it's kind of like a stat pattern. Um, yep. They're hiring their the friends yeah. and putting them in a position they've never been in. And and then, you know, they'll be there for about a year or two. And then they'll actually go and get a real OC job where they actually get to call the plays. And then it's when you'll really figure out who they are. Yeah. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders, hired Josh McDaniels as their head coach. Uh, we all know who Josh McDaniels is, was the Patriots offensive coordinator from 2012 to 2021, uh, Rams offensive coordinator in 2011, was the Broncos head coach in 2009, 2010, if you remember that, uh, Patriots offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, defensive assistant, and personnel assistant from 2001 to 2008. They also hired Mick Lombardi as their offensive coordinator. He's coached in the NFL since 2013, mostly an offense assistant until being the wide receiver coach for the Patriots last season. So the Raiders have been relatively quiet so far in, in free agency. I know it's just ramping up, but everyone else in that division is loading up. How do we feel about the Raiders next season and Josh McDaniels as the head coach and basically running the offense? Here's your local Raiders fan. It's my only honestly, once I hired Josh Daniels, Josh McDaniels, the only real take I got from it and the real feeling I got was Josh Jacobs is a, a hands down top five running back next year. Top five? Yeah, if he stays healthy. I completely okay. believe in it. Their run game has always been strong, and I think with the way they're set up, with Kenyon Drake taking a pay cut, they're going to keep Kenyon Drake as a backup, and he's not really that much of an indent into Josh Jacobs. So I think Josh Jacobs is going to be top five next year. That's like the biggest change I see for the Raiders is Josh Jacobs uh, comes back from obscurity after his injured season. So a couple questions. Uh, Josh Jacobs fell in drafts this year. Right, he was kind of a he was at the back end of you know the legitimate RB ones in the league. Gave you some value there at the end of the season. Was playing well, honestly, uh, running really well. So I could see why you like Josh Jacobs next year for sure. Um, but top five, uh... top five, is, and I say that mostly because of the opportunities. There's very rare, um, very small amount of offenses in the NFL where there's a pretty clear-cut uh, RB1. And, and Josh how, Jacobs is still that guy. Okay. How do we feel about Darren Waller? I mean, Darren Waller was Gruden's guy. Just real quick, I going back to, to Jacobs, my only concern is McDaniel's coming from a system where they use 
were the definition of committee running back, right? And you have another, you know, good running back in Kenyon Drake there with Josh Jacobs. Could we see, I mean, well, you're going to see one of those things, I think, every game. Whoever has the hot hand who's, is going to be the one who's most on the field. So I think you're going to end up seeing games where Josh Jacobs absolutely disappears. And that's what worries me about him being a top five court, uh, running back. I, now, top ten, I, I'll give you that for sure. Top five, I think you're kind of pushing it. And I'll counter with the fact that he was running behind the 31st at best running offensive line last year. Still had all those horrible stats and was still top 10 in broken tackles, yards after uh, yards after contact, all the cool running back stats. But like, Josh <laughs> Jacobs is still doing the damn thing. And I, don't, I know where you're coming from with him being like a committee running back system with McDaniels, but Kenyon Drake is not that person. And if it goes down to being like a hot hand thing, just from purely looking at the stats, not even the film, Josh Jacobs is the hot hand. He's always the hot hand, as long as he's relatively healthy on the Raiders. Okay, but he's still running behind the same shitty offensive line. Like, like, how do you change that? Just like, could he be top five if they change their offensive line? Sure, because he does break tackles. He does do those kind of things. But their offensive line is still making it so he's getting hit three yards in the backfield. What does he do? Well, what you do is you change up the scheme. <laughs> And you replace a couple of players in free agency, which just officially started today, right? To actually officially sign. Or was it yesterday? Um, it was... You could announce it, but you can't officially sign until today, right? Uh, you actually can't. So until yesterday, you could only negotiate with your own team, your the team you were leaving. As of yesterday, or as of today, you could then negotiate with other teams. You can't officially sign a contract until 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, which would be Wednesday the 16th. Yeah. So either way, moves will be made. Josh Jacobs is going to be that guy. That's the hill I'm dying on this, uh, this season, at least this early in the offseason. And I think another interesting note, obviously, McDaniels has some history with utilizing the tight end position. Darren Waller, uh, overall disappointing season last year just because he was one of the elite tight ends that people were reaching for in the second, third round. Um. Do you think Waller has that same kind of ADP next year? His ADP is obviously going to be a little bit lower because he got injured, but people are still going to reach on him, I think. So, like, honestly, do you think you should, you know, if you're trying to secure uh, your tight end position, get a guy that you set it and forget it, like a Kelsey, Mark Andrews, is Waller in that realm? For next year? He's not in that top tier with those guys. He's in the next tier. And I kind of, I'm with Irby on like this sentiment, almost like with committee running backs, the Patriots love to have two tight end systems. And Foster Moreau behind Darren Waller is a very, very capable tight end. Uh, Still on his rookie contract. And I, I see Foster Moreau, Foster Moreau emerging more and taking more away from Darren Waller. Darren Waller is still going to be a tight end one. But it's not going to be like we saw two years ago. Hmm. Foster Moreau is going to be a lot more involved, I think. You know, that's actually a really interesting take because I didn't really think about that. Because when you first you know posed the question, I was thinking like Waller will fall a little later in drafts. Like I'm, I'm sure you'll see Kelsey Andrews and Kittle all gone in the first three rounds, and then I think you'll see kind of a a break on tight ends. I think Waller's your next, you know, your fourth guy, but he would probably go. I think you can get him in like the fifth or sixth. And initially, I was like, that's 
pretty good value. I'd take that for sure. Oh, I think for be, sure, yeah. Be huge. But there's a good point with Foster Moreau. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, and the utilization of two tight end sets, you know, in that offense that McDaniels has ran now for almost a decade. Yeah. So that's very interesting. And now I'm questioning my thought process. <laughs> I think if I can still get Darren Waller in the fifth or sixth, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. But I have some pause now. So Trey, you got me thinking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's an interesting take. You know, I was thinking Waller even in the fourth. It could be a really good good pick, but yeah, I mean, obviously we've seen McDaniels utilize the two tight end sets and be efficient with it. You gotta imagine if he has the two dudes that are capable of replicating that kind of offense, he's going to take advantage of it. Um but we shall see. I'll just say this to counter what I said about Darren Waller having a little bit less, because I mean, I'll just play the other side on it. He's never had a tight end like Darren Waller, really. I mean, he's had Gronkowski, which is a lot different, way, way bigger, more physical guy. But Darren Waller is a borderline receiver, right. someone you can put out wide, which he did with Gronk. But you could literally treat Waller like a like a um, like an X receiver. Yeah, true. He did have Aaron Hernandez. And Aaron Hernandez was built not quite like like Waller's, but it was close. Similar. It was similar, and so like, and Aaron Hernandez had some very good years before, you know, all that stuff. Not to delve into that, that. <laughs> but um, but you know, I think that's similar. And Foster Moreau is arguably built more like Gronk, arguably. So I mean, maybe. I don't know. This is very interesting. Now, in terms of the rest of the, the team, I mean, we don't really have a true number one offense uh, receiver. You have Brian Edwards still, but, you know, we've been waiting on that for three years. Hunter Renfro could be a steal. Yeah, he could be. I mean, again, we've Ju- seen Julian Edelman, oh, Wes yeah, Welker. We've seen comps. Every other white guy receiver <laughs> <laughs> outside of Cooper Cup. Uh, he's he's a different breed. But, yeah. um, but I will tell you this. Lock it in. Derek Carr is a top ten quarterback next year. Lock it in. It's Ooh. it's not even a question. I'd say he's actually probably pushing top five. Wow, that could be a steal in the draft too at the quarterback position for sure. Especially if he's finishing top five, you're definitely gonna be able to draft him later. Right. <laughs> you know, what, probably what, like round twelve or yeah, thirteen, probably. For sure. Yep. So yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll definitely be talking about that more as the off season continues, but. Moving on uh, for coaching changes, Miami Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel as their head coach. Interesting hire. Before you dive into that, weird, we have two McDaniels in a row. Two McDans. We talked about doing an episode on like similar names in football. It's weird how many peculiar names are very, very, very similar in the NFL. Except it was Josh McDaniels with an S. This is just Mike McDaniel. Weird, I know semantics, semantics, but <laughs> but I'm just saying, slight difference. And even though you would think they'd be the same, but they're not. Four letter white first name, <laughs> last name starts with McDaniel. Okay. Uh, Mike McDaniel was the 49ers offensive coordinator in 2021. As we all know, he was the 49ers run game coordinator in 2017 through 2020, which. As we know, the 49ers have had a potent running game for years now. Um, So that is impressive on his resume. He was the Falcons offensive assistant 2015-2016, Browns wide receiver coach in 2014, the Washington football commanders (laughs) 2017-2018, to 
offensive assistant and wide receiver coach. I ended up writing commanders like three or four times in this doc, and every time it felt so weird. Yeah, that is weird. I wanted to say Washington. Honestly, I wish they just kept the Washington team. It was unique. I thought it was kind of cool. Commanders is stupid. It is. It is terrible, but uh, that's, you know what? It's not up to us, right? They hired Frank Smith as their offensive coordinator. Um, he's coaching the NFL since 2010, uh, but mostly as an offensive line coach or tight ends coach until he was the running game coordinator last year with the Rams. So interesting hire there for their OC. Again, another unproven offensive coordinator. Um, a question mark for sure. You got to have the feeling that Mike McDaniel's or Mike McDaniel is going to run the offense, um, probably call plays. Uh, so, you know, offensive coordinator again, I think is not a huge impact. Um, mostly the impact will come with Mike McDaniel, but, um, you know, with McDaniel and Smith having most of their experience in the running game, um, they also made an interesting hire in Daryl Bevel as the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Uh, Bevel has extensive offensive coordinator experience and some head coaching experience as the interim head coach for the Lions and the Jaguars the past two seasons. He had worked with QBs like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Matthew Stafford. So he's worked with some legends in the game, um, some Hall of Fame guys. Do you think Bevel, as the passing game coordinator, and Mike McDaniel and and uh, Smith with the running game experience, do you think it's a cohesive coaching staff that they put together for the Miami Dolphins? Um, just recently signing Chase Edmonds. I think this is the most in- intriguing group of hires that we've talked about so far. I mean, really, just from everything that we've just heard from you, is it looks like the Dolphins are really gearing up to have an impressive run game. That, that, that's the impression that I get from McDaniel being the run game coordinator for the 49ers from 2017 to 2020, and then with Frank Smith being the run game coordinator for the Rams. Two teams with notoriously, um, we, we talked about it all year. Basically, you put anybody behind those offensive lines, it's going to work. Yeah, in, in the system, obviously, you put some studs in there like they did, and, you know, it works. Right. But they built really good schemes, really good systems, you know, for years. And these guys were part of that. So it should be pretty interesting to see what the Dolphins do with it. And with Chase Edmonds being in the picture, I said this a million times during last season, like one of the most explosive guys on film in my eyes in the running back position. It's just a matter of him getting the opportunities. And it'll be interesting to see the impact that Bevel has on Tua, right? I mean, this is a guy that's worked with some of the, like I said, some of the best to ever play the game. Um, you got to think he has some some tips and tricks for Tua to, to get him over the hump. Uh, Tua has the potential. It's just been rough in Miami. Do you think Daryl Bevel has the capabilities to take Tua to the next level? And does Tua have that within him as a player to take that next step? Yeah, I think so. Um, Daryl Bevel, I mean, he's like, he's worked with a lot of guys and like he's been in a lot of different systems too. That's one thing that's also interesting, you know, being from green Bay, he worked under, 
Uh, it wasn't Mike Homer because Mike Homer left before that, but like Pat Shermer, who was promoted from within. Um, so like those kind of guys, like going way back to that kind of West Coast offense, and like kind of the quick throw type situation that you know that the West Coast offense is known for. That's probably the best for Tua because he's a smaller quarterback, and he has a good arm, not the best arm. And so like those quick, you know, simple read throws is what's going to make him make him winner. What's interesting to me, one, I think Mike McDaniel's is showing. A lot of smarts here, where he's like, "Listen, I'm a running game guy. This is what I this is what I do. This is what I know. Right. I'm not like super savvy on like the passing game side of the of the ball. So let me bring in some guy who has a ton of experience with that. Yeah, I like that. Yep. So it's I think it's super smart. And on top of that, going back to McDaniel's and being the running game coordinator, what do you guys think about Jalen Waddle this year? Do you think that they might use him kind of like a Debo Samuel? They it's have certainly sim- good. They have similar attributes. Uh, Sam or Waddle's not as much of a runner as Samuel. As Samuel, I mean, is literally built like a running back. Right. So there's that. Waddle's a smaller guy, not you know as thick in the in in the legs as as Debo is. But I think you could see Waddle being used in a lot more, you know, end arounds, fly sweeps, yeah, uh, things like that. So I'm very interested to see what happens in this offense. It's gonna be, and I, I agree, with Trey. I think this is the most interesting group of new hires out of this entire list. I think a lot could happen. There's a lot of potential with this offense, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in total. You know, I totally agree. Like, for me, this is one of the most exciting, you know, offensive changes from a coaching standpoint that we've seen this off season. I really think Miami's going to take a step forward with these guys at the helm. Um, and I really like Chase Edmonds in this offense. Miles Gaskin is no longer cutting it. Like we saw that last year. Um, Chase Edmonds is a good player and obviously was limited with some injury last year, but I, I really like Chase Edmonds in this offense. Um, and I like Jalen Waddle, like you're saying, I think Jalen Waddle is definitely going to get schemed a lot more with creative play calling. Um, Obviously, McDaniel's going to take some of that Debo offensive scheming and move it to, you know, what he's doing in Miami now. And Jalen Waddle has the capability of doing that. So it'll be interesting. Jalen Waddle is definitely going to rise in ADP probably quite a bit. Strong finish at the end of the year um, with the coaching changes like we're talking about. He's naturally going to rise in ADP. We'll see kind of where that falls and see if it's a good value or not. But Right now, Jalen Waddle feels like he could be a steal in the draft, depending on where he's drafted. Uh, moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. They hired Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. Uh, he was the Rams offensive coordinator 2020-2021. He was the Washington Commanders quarterback coach, passing game coordinator, and offensive coordinator 2017 through 2019. 49ers special projects in 2016. I don't know if you saw his resume. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yes. So I, I included it just to like see you guys like perk up. Like, what the hell is that? You on LinkedIn? Let me get that resume from <laughs> Kevin O'Connell. Damn, dude. You must be <laughs> must be LinkedIn on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, them resumes. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell, one of those guys that was in, you know, uh, Washington with with all the boys. Uh, coming from that tree, uh, the Jay Gruden 
Shanahan, Shanahan McVeigh. Yeah. Um, we've seen that become a hot group for teams to target. Vikings took a chance on Kevin O'Connell, hoping that some of that magic uh, spills over to them. I'm not 100% confident, though, that Kevin O'Connell is going to be the guy. They still have relatively the same team, so there's there's still going to be fantasy value on this team, obviously, with Justin Jefferson, uh, Cook, and Adam Thielen. Uh, but I'm not 100% sold yet. We'll see. Because I think McVeigh still had quite a quite a grip on offensive uh, decisions and obviously play calling with the Rams last year. Um, So we'll see what happens. They hired Wes Phillips as the offensive coordinator. He's worked with O'Connell for four of the last five seasons with the Rams and the commanders. Uh, Coaching's in his blood though, as his father and, and grandfather are defensive legends. We all know Wade Phillips and good old bum Phillips. You know, if you're coming from the bum bloodline, <laughs> you got some knowledge. And, yes, so he's getting a shot as an offensive coordinator finally. It'll be interesting. Another team that's 100% retooling and reshaping their offense or their coaching staff. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this team operates for sure. Uh, a lot of question marks, though. But, you know, you still got your studs that are going to be studs, obviously. Uh, on that offense. Anything else on the Vikings? I, I feel like this doesn't like move my meter at all. I don't know why. Just nothing about this excites me or really disappoints me. I'm just <laughs> like, okay, the Vikings look like they're just going to stay the same. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll like, be relatively the same as far as their production and you know the guys that are fantasy relevant on their team. I don't see a ton of movement. Like Justin Jefferson is still going to be a top five guy. You know, Adam Thielen will fall where he's been falling. Dalvin Cook, obviously a, a top guy at running back. I don't see a whole lot of change here. I don't either, but I have to say, Kevin O'Connell has been in, you know, the Shanahan McVay system now for five years. So he's going to run the same offense. You know this. Um, and yes, McVay still called plays last year, but, you know, this is going to be O'Connell's chance to really show what, what he can do. In terms of production out of the players, I don't think it's going to change a ton, but I think you're going to see a difference in the way they do it. Yeah. Um, these offenses, offenses are different. Now, I will say this, though, too. The Rams with O'Connell and McVay did go to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as their quarterback. Yep. Kirk Cousins is the definition of mediocrity. Um, he's, like, legitimately a 500 quarterback for his career. Like, 52-52-2. It's the definition of average. But he's better than Jared Goff. Yeah. And there's a lot of weapons on this offense. So I would expect them to actually make some noise next year. The only thing holding them back as a team is with the defense. But offensively, I think you're still going to see really good production. Maybe an uptick, maybe even a slight uptick from Christian Kirk. Or Christian Kirk. <laughs> can't get him off your mind, <laughs> huh? I can't. Kirk, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, um, only because he's going to be playing in a system that honestly – Makes it easy for a quarterback. Yep. I mean, if Jared Goff can put up the numbers he did under this offense, what do you think, you know, some guy who's actually serviceable can? Right. That's a good point for sure. Yeah. No, that's, I can't argue with you there. Um, you know, 
if anything, it's definitely an uh, upgrade from last year with with the defensive minded Zimmer, right? So, um, you know, but it, it feels almost like a trap, right? Like one of those, like, well, you know, they should be better, but and then everything, you know, doesn't come to fruition. That's that's what kind of makes me nervous about it. But, um, at any rate, they should be more e- efficient on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, New Orleans Saints hired Dennis Allen as their head coach. Uh, he was a Saints defensive coordinator 2015 to 2021. Raiders head coach 2012 to 2014. Those are some good years, huh, Trey? Broncos defensive coordinator in 2011. Saints defensive line coach, secondary coach 2006 to 2010. And the Falcons defensive quality control coordinator slash defensive assistant from 2002 to 2005. Uh, Dennis Allen retained Pete Carmichael as the offensive coordinator. Carmichael has been with the Saints for 17 years. The last 14 of those years coming as offensive coordinator. So the Saints are in not a great position. (laughs) A tough team to take over right now. Um, because they don't have a lot of cap. They can't, they have no cap actually, uh, can't really make moves. They're kind of going to be stuck with the team that they had last year. Defensive minded head coach. Uh, who's playing quarterback. All right. I mean, that's a lot of things, but Carmichael is the OC has been there forever. Uh, he was Sean Payton's right hand man. So this offense as a whole is not going to change. And obviously the whole thing's dependent on who's going to play quarterback. We know that. Um, I mean, I guess at the worst case scenario, it's Taysom Hill for the entire year because they don't bring anybody else in, um, which, you know, yikes. Uh, and, yeah, uh, Dennis Allen doesn't have the best track record as a head coach. It was a few years in, uh, in Oakland uh, before they came. The Las Vegas Raiders were uh, less than poor. <laughs> but yeah. it, I mean, he went. He has a head coaching record of eight of eight and twenty-two, so it's not great. But he's been in the system a lot. You know, it's a winning culture down in New Orleans at this point. Sean Payton really turned that entire franchise around, and there, there's probably a reason why he's still there. Right? They know how to win. They're keeping the core together. So even if they're not a great team, you're going to see them probably still push for a wild card just because of the culture down there and the way that they fight to win. And Taysom Hill can be serviceable as a quarterback in, you know, kind of a funky way. Right. And obviously, you know, Taysom will have fantasy value at the quarterback position with his running ability. Um, So we'll see how they utilize him in that offense. Hopefully similar since Pete Carmichael is still there. Uh, should be a pretty similar offensive scheme with Taysom Hill that we've seen in the past. Um, so there's some value there, obviously Alvin Kamara. Uh, but outside of that, eesh, getting getting pretty deep. So, um, as a Raiders fan, I'll just say Del- Dennis Allen coaching your team. I mean, it's been eight years since he was a head coach, but goddamn, I'd be a little fucking scared (laughs) (laughs) one year for each of the wins he had for the Raiders (laughs) I mean we're talking like the Jason Campbell years so you got to kind of give him a little bit of leeway but yeah this guy definitely did not help the Raiders organization at all (laughs) this was when Al Davis was alive though rest in peace (laughs) (laughs) 
Moving on to the New York Giants. They hired Brian Dayball as their head coach, which, you know, initially I think it's a pretty decent hire. Like Bill's offensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021. Uh, He's done some good things um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, working under a head coach who's, who was defensive minded. Um, He had a lot of control over what they did offensively. Um, and has done some good things. Uh, but he obviously had Josh Allen to to help with that. Uh, he was the University of Alabama offensive coordinator slash QB coach in 2017, Patriots tight end coach 2013 through 2016, Chiefs offensive coordinator in 2012, Dolphins offensive coordinator in 2011, Browns offensive coordinator 2009 to 2010, and the Jets QB coach from 2007 to 2008. And the Patriots defensive assistant slash wide receiver coach from 2000 to 2006. So obviously been in the been in the league a long time, um, um, and has seen the, you know, changes that have come through the NFL in the last 20 years. Is it pretty safe to say that Brian's been around to ball for a while? <laughs> he's been he's been to balling for quite a while, but um, does he have the ability? They brought on Mike Kafka as the offense coordinator, who's with the Chiefs since 2017 as the quarterback coach, passing game coordinator. Do these two guys have the ability to turn this offense around with Danny Dimes at the uh, at the helm? Um, it, it's hard to say. All right, Brian Dable has a ton of offensive coordinator experience. You we've seen that, but he also has bounced around a lot as an offensive coordinator. He is also going into the, out of all these coaches' changes, he has the most pressure on him. I understand Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos are going like super robust. Brian Dayball is going to the largest market in the U.S. And even when their teams are bad, they have pressure on their offense coach and the management to do something about it. Right. Which is stupid because the Giants and Jets have been trash for years. But it's there. Dayball has also have, has the proven track record of turning Josh Allen to a project quarterback that with the potential to being an absolute superstar. So they kind of expect that now to happen with Danny Dimes. Can it? No, they don't have the same tools. They don't have the same, you know, ability. Right. Danny Dimes could be a very, could be a decent quarterback, but I don't think it's going to happen in one year. Um, but this is what the New York market does. They're going to expect Brian Dayball to turn this team around in like one to two years. And that's, Hard to say yeah. what could happen. Is he up to holding on to the pressure? That's the biggest thing, I think, with all coaches in New York. Can you take the pressure that comes with that job? Right. So, for me, the answer, I don't know. I think this could be a huge boon for Saquon Barkley, who's obviously, you know, had the last couple of years have been tough with injury and just, you know poor performance on the field. Right. It's They have to upgrade the offensive line a ton in order to do so. Um, but... He's the one guy I'm thinking, you know, has the biggest biggest uprise in this offense because of it. Only because I think Dable's going to want to take the pressure off of Danny Dimes. Another thing I think worth bringing up is we saw how Dayball, uh, Dable was able to utilize Josh Allen in the running game. Now, Josh Allen and, and Daniel Jones aren't exactly the same player, but we've seen Daniel Jones be able to run the ball with some efficiency. 
Um, except for when that turf monster gets Except him. for when he trips over his own shoelaces. But I'm interested to see how that plays out. Do they utilize Daniel Jones like they did, like he did in Buffalo with Josh Allen a little bit more and, and run the ball with him? Because let's, be, let's face it, he's he's had his opportunity to, to throw the rock around and it's hasn't been great. Like Daniel Jones has potential to run the ball. Um, so that's one thing that I'm watching and looking for. Um, I think there is some sleeper potential, uh, with Daniel Jones for that purpose alone, but yeah, you know, they, they have to commit to it obviously as, as an offense. Um, so that is yet to be seen, but some, some upside there with Daniel Jones. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Pretty much. I was going to say Daniel Jones is the only person I'm really watching with this head coaching change and seeing how much um, is different from last year fantasy-wise. I expect Daniel Jones to make a at least a little bit of an increase from what he's been doing or a little bit of a, what would it be, step up, whatever you would say. I just wanted to bring up how he was Patriots tight end coach from 2013 to 2016. Yeah. And this guy's been around some killers. You know what I'm saying? And they did just let go of Evan Ingram. <laughs> now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's going to play tight end for them? I don't know at this exact moment, but, hey, maybe he'll figure out. Obviously, he didn't like Evan Ingram, didn't want, didn't care if he stuck around or not, uh, which I don't blame him. But, um, you know, we'll see how they utilize the tight ends there and who's playing tight end there. But a position to keep an eye out for. So the hottest question of the offseason is, does Dawson Knox end up murdering somebody and end up in jail? <laughs> what? <laughs> like Aaron Hernandez. Oh, I don't think so. He's trying to come back from a, a from shredding his a, knee. The ball was coaching him. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think Brian had any impact on Aaron Hernandez's life decisions. What, was it the University of Miami or was it Brian DeBall? Uh, it was Florida that he went to, but still same difference (laughs) (laughs) humid football whatever florida (laughs) (laughs) that's what florida does to you all right uh let's get into some replacements for the new head coaching hires the indianapolis colts replaced matt eberflus with gus bradley bradley has been a defensive coordinator or head coach in every season since 2009 including perfecting pete carroll's cover three defense in creating the Legion of Boom. Sorry, I had to just throw that in there. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> that's the Seahawks. I was like, damn, yeah, let me throw this in real quick. So you like Gus Bradley there in uh, in Indianapolis? I mean, yeah, why not? The Colts already have a good defense. I mean, and Gus Bradley's, you know, he's not proven as a head coach, but he's proven as a defensive coordinator. He's going to be great. That He's only, you know, the, at worst this team, the defense takes like a sidestep and is the same as they were last year in the last couple. They might take an uptick, but there's no way they're falling off either. So they'll be fine. Yeah. I'm coming in hot with this one. I think Gus Bradley being the defensive coordinator of the Colts makes them a uh, a team that I'm looking forward to, to draft for my defense. Sure. Yeah, like last round, um, you know, you always pick up a defense in the last couple of rounds, one you want to kind of ride with for the first couple of weeks, hopefully the whole season. But he came in with the Raiders with one of the worst defenses and made them respectable. They were f- – flirting with being a starting fantasy defense uh, probably half of the season, which is crazy to say about the Raiders' defense, which was like just a 
Yeah, it was just horrible for years. Right. Gus Bradley came in, brought in a couple of his guys, brought in a new scheme, and completely changed everything. It gave me faith in the Raiders' defense. I love Gus Bradley personally, but you know I'm a Raiders fan, so I'm a little like, a little biased about it. I think he's gonna make this defense even better. They're like Irby said, they were already middle of the pack. It's gonna launch them into top ten territory, guaranteed. I think. Yeah, they got good players. Uh, Gus Bradley has a proven track record of making defenses better. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm right there with you guys. Um, definitely a defense that will be probably highly touted going into next year. Um, moving on, the Green Bay Packers promoted offensive line coach slash running game coordinator Adam Stenovic to offensive coordinator to replace Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, he was also the offensive line coach for the 90, 49ers from 2017 through 2018. Uh, this one coming from a Packers owner of the team. Again, they didn't really give me a call before making the final decision on this. Which, you know, I'm, you know, hey, I'm okay with that, I guess, but um, not a huge impact here. Um, it's obviously LaFleur and it's Rodgers running this offense. So um, he's a placeholder. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, was in the system. They're giving him a, a, a nice role there as an offensive coordinator, as a resume builder, and this offense will – remain the same relatively. So uh, not a huge change there, I don't think. Uh, Houston Texans, nobody. Lovey Smith will serve as the defensive coordinator and head coach. So there you go. That's why, just like all the Bears teams he coached, they're going to be 500 at best. I'm sorry, did he not take the Bears to the Super Bowl with one of the worst quarterbacks like ever like Rex Grossman like he had no business even being in the Super Bowl but no, Lovey Smith has done some some things big in things. the NFL big things but that wasn't Lovey Smith okay that was Brian Erlacher <laughs> <laughs> hold on Lovey Smith hold on had to draft him in the I think it was the third or fourth round he was a safety out of New Mexico State converted him to a linebacker to become the Hall of Famer he was that's Lovey Smith there bud Lovey Smith came in after that but but I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Erlacher, bro, he was, coach- he was coaching the, the Bears from 2004 on. Brian Erlacher was way before that. Brian Erlacher was drafted in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, and then he met Paris Hilton and sent her some dick pics. <laughs> okay. Or was that Brett we're, Favre? We're going down the, the, the rabbit hole here uh, a little so, bit. I'm, yeah, all these Midwestern white dudes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jesus. He was drafted in 2000, okay? He was drafted in 2000. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Lovey Smith didn't draft him. I'm just saying he went on a great defense to the Super Bowl, and he couldn't capitalize on it. He's so. a good guy, though. Uh, anyways, yeah, 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 he's a good guy. Good guys aren't gonna win as a fucking fantasy game, okay? Uh, New or England a football game. The New England Patriots, um, right now, still have no offensive coordinator. Technically, there's been a no announcement of a new offensive coordinator to replace Josh McDaniels. Uh, rumors are that Bill Belichick may call plays this season. Uh, the Patriots did bring back former Giants head coach Joe Judge, who did serve as a special teams and wide receiver coach back in 2019. Uh, the Patriots have also uh, Patriots that also have 
Ivan Fears as their running back coach who has been in that position since 2002. So likely to hire from within, but still no official call on their OC position. We all know, though, that Bill runs the show here, right? Yeah, I. but, I mean, he's never called offensive plays. I don't foresee that happening 45 years into his coaching experience. I'll also be like, hey, I'm going to start calling offensive plays. Yeah. You know? He's been known as a defensive guru forever, so I just don't see that happening. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be Joe Judge or Ivan Fierce calling the plays, unless they hire someone from the outside, which seems like it's too late in the offseason to do that. Right, like who are they going to hire at this point? And also, I, I kind of lean towards Ivan Fierce, who's been there forever. Ivan Fierce actually also played in the league as a running back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just One of those things, I, it's a weird gut feeling. I think Ivan Fierce has been there for so long. Give him the shot. We know Patriots like to run the ball. Obviously, Bill likes to run the ball uh, and establish the run, uh, especially with you know Mac Jones at their at quarterback. He's you know he is who I think we think he is, right? And you know he'll manage a game out there for you and and do exactly what you tell him to do. But I don't think you can expect Mac Jones to take over games. So they're obviously going to look to run the ball, which leads to Ivan Fears. Hot take. Mac Jones is the next Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kirk Cousins has benefited financially off of apparently no one else being able to take snaps and manage games. And he's benefited quite handsomely uh, throughout his career. But uh, moving on, the San Francisco 49ers, there's been no announcement on who will be the new offensive coordinator replacing Mike McDaniel, uh, offensive line coach. The offensive line coach will take on extra duties as running game coordinator, though. Sorry for putting the name there. Yeah, who is that? <laughs> um, let me look it up real quick. I want to <laughs> just put some filler in, you know. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> I got your filler right here. I was going to say this about the Patriots last time. Is there nobody left off the Shanahan McVay coaching tree? I don't know. That they can just bring in to be offensive coordinator because apparently that's what everybody's doing. Right. Seems like a fucking. That's the trend right now. Uh, the guy you're looking for, his name is Chris Forster. Okay. He, he's the promoted one. Yeah, but Shanahan runs the runs the offense here. Um, Everybody was dying for you to tell them that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Nice, <laughs> nice placeholder there. Thank God. Shane Hand's running the offense. I don't expect a whole lot of change, obviously, on this offense going into next year. Things will remain relatively the same as far as the guys that they have and Shane Hand running the show. So uh, not a lot of change there. Los Angeles Rams, they've hired Liam Cohn, Cohen to be their new offensive coordinator, replacing Kevin O'Connell. Um, Cohen was the assistant quarterback coach for the Rams in 2020 and the and was the offensive coordinator for the University of Kentucky last season. So he could be promoted within to be the offensive coordinator again. Um we know McVay kind of runs the show here and uh will likely remain the offensive mastermind that he's been uh for many years now. Um, so yeah, not a lot of change there as well. Uh, New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen has decided to promote two coaches to replace him as defensive coordinator. Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard will Richard. Richard. Okay, that's what I was trying to say. 
uh, will serve as co-defensive coordinators. Interesting. Uh, Nielsen has been the Saints defensive line coach over the past six seasons, while Richard was hired as secondary coach in 2021. Richard also previously served as the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so interesting, you know, defensive minded head coach getting a couple young guys as co-defensive coordinators, but that won't change a whole lot on their defensive scheme. No. Um, I mean the Rams or the Rams, the saints were a really good defensive last year, fantasy wise. And, um, you actually got a larger uptick from Chris Char being the secondary coach with, um, why did I just blank on his name? Who's their top DB, guys? Help me out. Help me out. No one? What? The Saints' top DB. Lattimore? Lattimore. Thank you. Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore. Uh, he actually increased his uh, coverage ability last year. He had more deflections last year than he has any other season in his career. So, and I think it's similar to, like, kind of what the Dolphins did on the offense side, where McDaniels um, is the running game guy, so they brought in Bell to be the passing game guy, and we're worth this. Nielsen's been a defensive line coach forever. Rashard's been mostly a secondary coach forever. So, like, you put them together and kind of, you know, let their minds mesh together for the best possible outcome yeah for sure yeah i was gonna say as our local defensive guy i'm all about my defenses every week i think this increases the saints defense at least my expectations of their defense this year they were already a top 10 defense and very streamable throughout the season and you're taking two guys as irby had said who elevated their defense a little bit more and they kind of rely on their defensive line so I think it'll uh, at the very least it'll be the same, and it should improve. So along with the Colts, I'm looking at the Saints next year as late round, maybe even teams you don't even draft for defenses, but you use throughout the season. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Uh, you know, defenses to keep an eye on there. Uh, they're gonna need a solid defense, I think, in New Orleans, because um, you know teams are gonna scheme against Taysom out or. Uh, Taysom Hill. Well, they did it all last year. Very solid defense. I mean, probably yep. half half of the year, very worthy of streaming. For sure. Uh, Buffalo Bills promoted quarterback coach Ken Dorsey to offensive coordinator, replacing Brian Dable. Uh, Dorsey has been with the Bills since 2019 as quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Dorsey was also a two-time Heisman Trophy finalist at the University of Miami. Does this change? I mean, obviously losing Brian Dable is a hit on this offense. It's been efficient, but they got studs on this offense as well. Does Dorsey come in and keep things relatively the same, or do we see some flux in this offense? Is Ken Dorsey like the career backup that I remember from playing Madden growing yep. up? Yep. <laughs> like yeah. He was always like the really bad backup on teams. Um, I'm. I'll be honest. It, it sounds dumb. I'm not really too excited about someone who was a Heisman finalist twice. <laughs> what's What's that about, dude? Might as well work for the Cowboys. I mean, you can get there, but you can't go all the way. Uh, he's He's a long time, you know, NFL guy. He's been around football for a long time, and I don't see the the offense changing their scheme very much. Uh, from from last year, and I think the Bills will obviously still have a lot of value fantasy wise on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, he's been there the entire time that Dable had, had been. So three years, all three years with 
uh, uh, Josh Allen. So, I mean, the offense isn't going to change. They run, they're going to run the Jackson offense. The personnel is going to change, obviously, a little bit because it sounds like Cole Beasley will be leaving town. They gave him permission to seek a trade. Um, that's probably based on the you know emergence of Gabriel Davis. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but yeah, the offense can be the same. So I wouldn't worry too much about anything that's happening there. Yep. Uh, that'll do it for the coaching changes in the NFL so far this year. Um, so next week we should have more free agency acquisitions. We're going to get into the free agency frenzy. Um, that happens every time this time of year and talk about all the new free agent signings and how they will impact fantasy. So I'm excited for that episode. It's a good one. Yeah, and not to mention we have to bring up the fact uh, we didn't do it in as major news at the beginning like we normally do. Um, but Tom Brady on Sunday did re- announce his you know comeback after True. retiring for a whole 40 days. So that'll be a probably a large discussion next week because he's going to change a lot of free agent decisions. Yep, no doubt about it. I saw their odds to win the Super Bowl went from like plus 2,500 to like plus 700 <laughs> just based off of Tom Brady coming back, uh, which is crazy. And they also just signed Russell Gage at receiver. I'll say this. Th- those odds mean you went from Kyle Trask throwing the fucking football <laughs> to Tom Brady. So makes a little bit of sense but still very impressive that the odds changed so much it's quite the jump for sure i think they're like second now beyond the buffalo bills as favorites yeah, and just throw this little stat out there too i said it before we, we started but oddly enough since 2013 in odd years tom brady has lost the super bowl or not made it every even year since 2013 so 2014 16 18 and 20 he's won the super bowl so pretty much lock it in 2022 buccaneers <laughs> uh super bowl champs yeah, if you if you got your bet placed at the plus twenty five hundred, you're Woo! you're sitting pretty right now. Let me throw the curveball at you though. Are you talking about like even years for the season or years the Super Bowl occurred in? Okay, okay, yeah, okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> I'm headed to the sports book. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for this episode. So uh, if you haven't already, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. And we will see you next week with some free agency discussion. Goodbye.